good morning, good evening, and good afternoon, depending on where you are in the world. This is Generation 2.0, and with me today is James Miller. James, how are you doing? I'm well. Thank you so much for inviting me on your show today. I'm really looking forward to it. Absolutely. Thank you so much for agreeing to join. And this is a crazy story. James is the executive producer and host of a nationally broadcasted, syndicated radio show, uh, James Miller Lifeology. Uh, James is licensed psychotherapist and piano composer at the same time and he has been in mental health with a private practice for over 20 years um 12 years in the private practice after a successful run in washington dc stopped that to follow his dreams and now he has a website james miller and lifeology and a pretty successful instagram which is the start of where we met (laughs) Here we are on a podcast together. Yes. The continents. Uh, James is currently in America and I'm in UK, Manchester. You're in Texas, is that right? No, I'm actually in Florida. I used to live in Texas years ago, but yeah, now I'm in Florida. I'm in sunny Florida right now, enjoying the sunrise. It's a beautiful day over here. Fantastic. It is uh, cold and (laughs) and gloomy where I'm sat, (laughs) but that is uh, quite a familiar thing for for the UK. Yes. Uh, so, James, you did 12 years of private practice, mm-hmm. and, you know, 20 years in mental health. What was, how did you get into mental health? That's, yeah, that's a great question. You know, I think like a lot of us, when I was a kid, I had a lot of people who just would come up and tell me their story or they're struggling and they would just come up and just start talking to me even when I wouldn't <laughs> ask. And so as I became older, I, you know, I found that I had a lot of different interests. And, um, but one that always came back to me was just people. I just like to help people. And so I did my undergrad. I actually was going to be a geneticist when I went into undergrad. Um, and, but I ended up getting a really big music scholarship. That's where the, the com- composition came in. But I still had a passion for psychology. So I became a psychology and Spanish double major with a music minor. And then from there on, I just continued to grow and grow in my field. And um, it just became more natural for me. And then many opportunities opened up for me in the mental health and psychology realm. And um, I did that for quite a while. And um, then now I'm here in Florida. So like you said, in 2000, gosh, I think it was 2015 is when I decided to not do private practice full time anymore. And I came down to Florida and I started James Miller Lifeology. And so that's kind of a, um, instead of talking to individuals or counselor or excuse me, couples, I now talk, I guess, to the world. Mm -hmm. And what is Lifeology? Now, that's uh, something that you've created. Correct. uh, It's actually trademarked. Um, so no, nobody, nobody else can. So if you, if you see lifeology, it means correct. Correct. What is lifeology? That's a great question, Muhammad. So lifeology itself is a literary term, which basically means you look at everybody who's considered successful and not successful. Sometimes in society, we only research or read about those individuals whom society deems as crazy successful. So what mm-hmm. lifeology is, is it basically looks at every single person, the really well-known people and the person that is not well-known. And so when we look at everybody, we say, well, what are the lessons that they're teaching me? And what lessons am I teaching them? We can look at somebody and be like, goodness, I don't want to be like them. Or gosh, I would really like to do what they're doing. So it gives us inspiration, but also gives us wisdom of maybe some pitfalls to overcome or, or to avoid rather. And then some other opportunities to advance in our life. And so what I did was Lifeology, my platform, I help teach people um, how to simplify and transform their spirit, mind, and body. And what that means by that is I teach really practical tools and techniques that people can implement on a daily basis to help grow their life or to help develop their life as well. So it's, it's been a wonderful journey for me. And, you know, it's, it's taken off pretty well. Fantastic. And that's really interesting you say that because 
a lot of headline articles and if you're scrolling through Facebook or social media, you'll always find five tips for success. And you'll always take the example of Jeff Bezos, mm-hmm. Elon Musk. And, and what they don't account for, like you said, is the perhaps 999 people that were doing exactly the same thing as them. Sure. And they're in a different place. So just taking the successful traits of, of a few hyperbolic successful people mm-hmm. is really un- unrepresentative and it's not accurate, is it, of of the, the the whole strategy to um to perhaps you know a, a successful lifestyle um so what you're doing is actually taking an average of everyone who is you know quote happy mm-hmm. um seeing what they've got in common um even though perhaps they might not be uh, as successful as the hyperbolic one percent mm-hmm. but you know that's a really good point what i what i like to do is i help people really look at multiple versions of success Sometimes society stipulates or says that success is only financial gain. So those people that are really, really wealthy, that they're the successful ones. But what you forget about is that single parent at home who's raising beautiful children or that person who can bring joy to people that are always around them. So it's important that we all realize that success is how we determine success. Success is not how society deems that people are successful. We get to determine as much success as we want in our life based off of what it is in our life. And so when we kind of revisit that or retweak it, we'll realize that we're much more successful than we thought. So how does someone then who's, who wants to believe that they're successful, how can they make that switch in their brain to or convince themselves that they are successful or you know that success doesn't come from money? Sure. One thing I have people do is I kind of look at what's called a graph of fulfillment. And what you do is you can think of as many categories of your life as possible. So that could be your finances, your relationships, your friendships, your spirituality, your health, your nutrition, um, retirement, anything you can think of that is, is relevant in your life right now. And so as many categories you can create, um, you create a graph. So on the horizontal line, you would write all of those categories. And then on the vertical line, you would have tick marks between one and 10. And through each one of those categories, you would then kind of rate where you feel fulfilled or where you feel successful. And the, the, the thing is that many people don't realize is there's a lot more success in their life than what they realize. And so when you look at this graph after you've completed it, it's a great snapshot to say, wow, I'm actually much more successful than I thought. And then you can look at areas that you may not feel as successful or as fulfilled. And that gives you a really good, like I said, snapshot and say, well, what am I going to tackle today? What would I need to do to get this number higher? And so it kind of puts a responsibility back on us to say, I'm doing really well in a lot of these areas and some other areas I'd like to improve. So now what am I going to do with this information? That is very, very interesting tool. So a, a graph where you can actually visualize just how successful you are mm-hmm. and created by yourself. Exactly. Um, and the same thing you would advise to do with the thing that you're not so successful in. Mm-hmm. Um, and would they go on the same graph or a separate graph? Well, it could be the same one, you know, because you, you may be surprised that what you originally thought where you were successful or were not successful, rather, when you really take some time to think about it, you may think, wow, there's actually more to this than I thought. So I like to put it all together because it shows that's just like our life. Some days we have really successful days and other days we just don't feel as productive. So when you put it all together, that's just really demonstrative or another, it reflects your daily life. So some days you'll do really well and other days you won't. So I like to have that be put together so you can see where you're doing well and other areas where you can improve. Because if they're separate, then unfortunately, we're not living a fulfilled life. Or in other words, a, a whole life because we're isolating things. And life isn't like that. Life is about the highs and lows. And that's the beauty of what life is. That's true. Yeah. You, you don't want to sort of identify 
just the bad things on their own and just the, the good things on their own. It's always a complete package. And you know, something else I like people to think about as well is if we use the word good and bad, and I know it's very normal for all of us to do that. We, we okay. classify things as this is good or bad. I like to look at things, are they healthy or not healthy? Because we can define what healthy is. Because one day I may have all this energy and I do all these really, really productive things. And then the next day I may not be feeling so well. And so if I'm not feeling so well, I'm still productive, but I'm not as productive as the day before. So when we look at it more from a standpoint of is this healthy or not healthy, it removes that good or bad, all or nothing, black and white thinking. And so it really helps us just live with what we have today as opposed to always using a benchmark or perhaps a measurement that we had when we were really, really successful. For example, if someone has gained a whole bunch of weight and you know they look at themselves in the mirror today and they're like, oh, when I was you know five years ago, I looked amazing. But if you continually compare yourself to five years ago, well, that's not who you are today. And so you have to look at, well, what choices can you make today? What did you do today? Or what are you doing today to be healthy? So if it's good or bad, I'm I'm overweight or I'm ugly versus I was really hot and attractive five years ago. Well, you're always going to feel like you're less than, and that doesn't give you the energy and the, the ability to do what's healthy for you right in the moment. Mm -hmm. yes, I'm glad I, I fell into that trap of good and bad to be able to, to trigger that. <laughs> yeah, but you know, we all do it. You know, sometimes I have to be careful because if I'm talking to a patient or talking to uh, one of the clients that work with me, I may say that I'm like, oh, let me catch, let me catch myself. So it's very common for all of us to do it because we, that's just what society teaches us. So, but the more you're aware of the word choices you use, it helps you live a more fulfilled life because we don't trap ourselves into we're good or we're bad, we're this or we're that, because that is not life. It's this whole spectrum of where we are right in the moment based off how much energy we have, how much focus we have, how much determination we have. And it's not, once again, good or bad. It just simply is. And so if we want more of something, we just say, well, how can I be more healthy in doing that? So what you do is actually find out what are the health benefits of, of something that you're doing and what are the, the the health deficits, if you like, of, of sure. that thing and sure. work from it that way. Yes. One thing I do to help people as well is I have them separate between, I, I call it more of a, like a body scan or an internal scan. I help people separate between what their emotions and their thoughts are versus what their body can do. For example, on a scale of one to 10, 10 is the best you feel and one is the worst you feel. If you right now, your listeners, if they hear this, they, I want them to separate between, well, on a scale of one to 10, how are my emotions? Where would I rank my level of of, of being. So for me, um, on a scale of one to 10, I'm probably about a seven or eight right now. I'm, I'm feeling pretty good. And then, so on the, I, when I do that for my body, my physical body on a scale of one to 10, I'm probably about a six. Uh, for some reason I couldn't sleep that well last night. So I didn't sleep as well as I typically do. So when I look at my numbers, okay, so, um, seven or eight for my mind and maybe six for my body, I'm doing pretty well. But if I were to wake up one morning and my body was at a I'd say it was at a three. I woke up, wake up with a cold or something. But then I check in with my emotions and my emotions are pretty good. Well, that means I can still be in a great mood. I can still, you know, laugh with my friends if I call them on the phone or I can do something that's fun for me that my body would allow. Now, conversely, if I wake up and my emotions are lower, let's say they're at like maybe a three, but my body's like an eight. Well, that doesn't mean I have to stay in bed. Sometimes we allow our emotions to dictate what our body can do. And that's actually doing herself a disservice. You don't have to lay in bed unless you want to, but that's not healthy. So we say, okay, well, I, I, let's say you went through a breakup and you're really, really sad, which makes sense. But if you stay in bed, you're actually able to physically move and do all those things that can help you feel better 
for example, exercise or spending time with friends, you can get out of bed. And so when you learn to separate between what your thoughts and your emotions are versus what your body can physically do, it helps you say, okay, I don't feel like this, but I can do it. And that's what helps people be more healthy because they don't allow their thoughts and their, and their emotions to dictate how successful they're going to be that day. Mm-hmm. That's super interesting because the body, like you said, if you could do exercise mm-hmm. and go ahead and go out for a 20 minute run, for example, you are essentially forcing uh dopamine aren't you? you certainly are and, and adrenaline yes many wonderful benefits health benefits for that and so if you that's a great point sorry to cut you off there but that's a great point if people are are struggling and they, they feel really sad the way to alter that is to alter your brain chemistry and physical movement or kinetic movement will always help people do that and so either if it's physical exercise if you go to the gym or you want to go for a run anything you can do to raise your heart rate up a little bit is going to help you increase your dopamine and your um, and your adrenaline. And that is something that will kind of snap you out of that funk that you're feeling. Mm-hmm. What about if someone is in a wheelchair, for example, mm-hmm. what could they, and one day they're not feeling too good. What could they do? Anything that would spike up their, their heart rate. Sure. That's a really good point. So there, if people are, 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 phys- are unable to physically move parts of their body, well, then let's look at what can they move? Um, just even moving your arms around. So let me back up. So Physical movement does not necessarily mean going to the gym. I know many people who are like, oh my gosh, James, I can't go to the gym or I can't stand the gym. That's totally fine. What we're simply looking to do is to increase your heart rate. And of course, you want to always want to check with your medical professional to make sure you can. But when you raise your heart rate in some way, it starts to stimulate that dopamine or that adrenaline, which helps you feel better. So if people can have any type of physical movement, that's wonderful. What can they move? Now, people who can't, well, there's different ways to do that. One thing to do is you focus on a specific memory. A memory is a beautiful thing that can cause us to feel, uh, to feel happy, to feel joyful. And when that happens, that starts to release the dopamine. The best way to do it, of course, is physical movement. But if someone's not able to do that, then it determines what their thoughts are. In psychology, we teach that whatever you perceive to be true determines what you feel. What you feel determines what your body can do. So the body, what it does is either physical movement or it's a chemical reactions. So if I wake up and like I said, I'm really, I'm not feeling very well in my mind, well, then I'm focusing on something and that focus then causes me to feel depressed. That depression, like we said, your thoughts change your emotions, my emotions then tell my body to lay in bed all day. So if I'm not able to change what I think, then I physically do something and work backwards, which then changes my emotions, which then changes my thoughts. But if people can't move, then what they do is then they say, okay, well, I'm thinking about this certain topic, which makes me really sad. I don't like to think about that. What happened in my life, because we all have wonderful memories, where I didn't feel this way. And then when you start to think about that and really play it out in your mind, it starts to change your emotions, which then starts to alter the brain chemistry in your brain. That's fantastic. So even if you if you physically can't move mm-hmm. you is focus or practice the skill of remembering a happy memory yes hone in on that and that can have a similar effect as increasing your heart rate which is to make you essentially uh, happier through the chemicals in your brain yes fantastic and so the, you know very quickly we we in uh very ethnic minority cultures um a lot of people probably have where you know, mental illnesses are still not um, accepted mm-hmm. as much as they are in Western cultures. Sure. So um, people could, you know, be suffering from, um, you know, really 
beginner level anxiety all the way up to depression or, or schizophrenia but it could always be a case of oh well you're not praying hard enough mm-hmm. or you're, um you're you've been spoiled when you're a child or or even you've been uh you've been cursed by um uh, an evil spirit mm-hmm. what can those people do um you know from his a broad spectrum um but what would you say the the steps are to sort of approaching say your parents or or you know society um if you're if you're deep in that culture um to sort of you know self uh, medicate or or seek help professionally sure that's a really great question you know i think it's for good, for good or bad in the western culture sometimes it's overly identified and there's nothing wrong with that but we also want to have people take responsibility for what they can do and sometimes um sometimes some people are enabled now enabled to stay in their struggle so the difference from that is so you have people that are too enabled in other words yes there's is something wrong with you versus people who have something wrong with them but nobody believes them the balance for that is usually you want to look at well if psychology or mental health is considered a soft science meaning you can't see it. If someone breaks their arm, you can see their arm dangling there. You can see they're in pain. But with, a, with psychology, you can't see what's in the brain. And so since you can't see what's in the brain, sometimes it, p- people just don't think it's true. So the way to look at that is you come from a medical approach. People who struggle with certain, well, pretty much a lot of, um, a lot of mental health disorders have a medical, people who have depression don't have enough serotonin. People who have um, struggle with, um, you know, like bipolar, those types of, of disorders that have struggled with dopamine. People who have right. struggle with schizophrenia. I mean, there's many different chemical reasons why people are struggling. So if we look at something from a situation, for example, going back to that breakup, okay, well, yeah, you may be experiencing depression, but that's more of a situational. That is something where situationally can change based off of time. Time always gives us perspective for healing. But if people have a consistent struggle with this, and you want to talk to your parents or want to talk to your mental or medical provider provider and saying, this is what I've historically seen. Um, you always want to come in. How long have you had this? When did it start? How long do you typically have some of these symptoms? So when we come and looking at the, the onset, in other words, when did it start? The duration, the frequency, all of that is really good data for your doctor, your medical doctor to say, oh, OK, this does make sense. You probably are struggling with a lack of dopamine or a lack of serotonin um, or if you have aggression. I mean, there's many ways in which th- this will play out in your brain. Sometimes uh, blood tests can even help that as well. So if you approach it, if any of your listeners approach this in a way of this is a medical condition and not a mental health condition, sometimes people can understand it much more because there's medical proof of a deficiency you may have or there's proof that shows Shows that wow this isn't just get over it or you're cursed or you're just lazy when you look at all of those things and once again it's the the onset when did it happen the duration how long does it happen and the frequency those three components are so important because when you have that data nobody can refute that data because that is something that you specifically have in your past which says yes there is really something going on in my life so really just like a uh, physical mental a, a physical illness. When did it start? You know, how long does it? Mm-hmm. How long? Does mm-hmm. it, how long did the episodes last? And how often does it happen? And Correct. Three, three things are are the key for any medical professional to trigger, and then whether you've got a situational, um, mm-hmm. the breakup or a real uh, mental illness that exists. 
Correct. Exactly. And if you find that all of a sudden something happens to you, you want to be really true to yourself as well of saying, well, have I ever experienced this, this severe of emotions before this severe of a situation before? And if you haven't, then it's important for each one of your listeners to say, well, if I haven't, is this something that I can try and get over on my own? Perhaps try. That's a, that's a strong word. But is, can I talk to my friends about this? Can I talk to people who really understand me to give me advice? Because we all have wonderful people in our life who want to help us. And so when they want to help us, they can maybe give us advice or maybe some practical tools and techniques to practice getting over something. But let's say you try that and you find that the, the symptoms continually repeat themselves in more than one episode, then there may be something there that you just don't realize. And so that's why you really want to track this information to determine, okay, maybe there's something more than just a situation that's just transpired. And with that information, then yes, you would go to your medical provider and give them all that information. There is a good starting point to start within yourself. And perhaps yes. being honest with yourself is probably harder than being honest with anyone else. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, if you can sort of treat yourself by talking to friends and realize that it's situational, then uh, you're better off than, um, you know, going to a professional all out, um, from the get-go, thinking that you might be diagnosed with something that you're not. Um, sure. Because what we, we started with, St. Paps, is the other extreme in, in perhaps Western cultures where a lot of people seem to think that they've got uh, a problem when it might be um, exaggerated by themselves and, and sort of told mm -hmm. them, um, that they have sort of sold themselves that they really have something wrong with them. And sometimes people do that because they want to have an identity. Some people who struggle and don't think that perhaps they have, they're different than anybody else, or they, they just feel like their, their life is kind of mediocre and there's no judgment against that. But sometimes when people want to be different or need a label of some sort, sometimes they may fabricate that and come up with, I have this and this and this. And we actually call that a Munchausen disorder. It's a fancy term to basically say people who are looking for attention from doctors or, or professionals like myself will want to go and talk to them because they are getting attention that they're not getting in their everyday life. Or you have munchausen by proxy, which essentially means a parent will have their child say there's something wrong and the parent gets all the attention from those medical providers. So it's really important for each person to realize, do I have this or do I not have it? And really be honest with yourself. There's, it's, it's important that when we have that awareness, then we can say, okay, well, do I really need to go to a doctor? For example, if I have a cold, I'm not going to go to the doctor. I can fix it on my own. I can take vitamins. I can take some, some over-the-counter medication to help me with that. So it's the same type of thing. That's why I suggest you go to your friends first, people you trust, people who are wise. And with that information, then you can try some of those things. And if it's still not working, just like a cold, uh, you would then go to the doctor. So maybe it's something more than a cold. It's the same type of thing. If it's maybe more than what your friends can help you with, then that would be the time to go to the doctor. Wow. I mean, uh, it, it does kind of tie in together now to start to make sense because mm -hmm. a lot of people do go to the doctors for stuff that is really minor. Exactly. Uh, so, so it is linking together. Uh, in that. So that's one of the things that I teach as well and with, with James Miller Lifeology is that is something where I teach people, just like there's a couple of little steps I've taught you thus far, I teach people how to do all that so that you don't have to go to the doctor. Now, of course, there are reasons to go to the doctor, so please don't misunderstand me, but if it's something we can do on a daily basis, I'm all about prevention. If we can do as much preventative work within ourselves, so we can be the healthiest person we can be, then our life is more fulfilled. We then look at there are many ways in which we feel successful. But if we don't do some of these things, then unfortunately, 
we go every day in our life and just do the same thing over and over and don't feel like we're being fulfilled. And that's why sometimes people turn to alcohol or to drugs or to promiscuity. They do all those things just to feel a little bit of dopamine. And then they go back to their normal life. and like, I don't know why I'm not being fulfilled. Well, unfortunately, we're not looking at a successful, long-term, healthy version of dopamine exchange. Mm -hmm. We're looking at these short-term little bursts of dopamine. For example, even on Instagram, when you get an Instagram like or a new friend, you're like, oh my gosh, I feel so great. And that, that's a short burst of dopamine just for a couple of seconds, but it doesn't last. And so they're like, okay, well, I need to get more. What can I do more and more and more? And pretty soon we don't realize that we're just looking for a hit of dopamine. And we're not doing it because perhaps we have great content or other reasons. We're doing it because we just want to feel a little bit better. So that's why when people do this, obviously outside of social media, but if they go to the pub or they go and, you know, they go to the clubs and, and party, all those things are just so they don't feel like their everyday life. And so what I teach is how can you start your day to have a joy-filled, successful day? So therefore, that trickles out. It's like your metabolism. It metabolizes all throughout the day, and you feel really good about yourself. And so that's when you can start to find the productivity, the change in your life, and those things that you've always wanted to do, they'll start to become more, more easy and more reachable or attainable because you practice these things every single moment, which helps you feel more successful and gives you that long-term, extended feeling of fulfillment. Mm -hmm. So if someone is feeling then um, like they need attention or they don't really have an identity, um, mm -hmm. would they go and increase their heart rate in the same way that a person who wasn't feeling emotionally stable in, in a body, body scan example? Would that be the same solution or is there another solution for someone who wants attention from, from people or wants an identity? What can they do? Yeah, sure. That's a great question. Well, for one, the increasing your heart rate and increasing the dopamine, you know, just by physical movement, that's wonderful to remove yourself from some anxiety or depression. Mm. People aren't really looking for an identity themselves. There's something that we have what's called a core belief. A core belief is essentially things that we were told as children or how we internalized or really understood our place in the world as a little child. And that will come out when we're older. So if someone feels like they don't have an identity, I would have them really listen to what their thoughts are. If they do something silly or they do something that embarrasses themselves or they feel like they failed some, in some way, listen to what your thoughts are. Because if you say you're stupid or you're dumb or you knew you were going to do this or you always do these type, those types of things, that's actually a form of your core belief that we learned or picked up as a child which comes out in our adult life. And so when it comes out in our adult life, then we all of a sudden tell ourselves, well, then that must be true. I feel it, so it must be true. And if that's the case, that means I don't have any identity. I am the failure. I am this, I'm that. And unfortunately, we call ourselves certain labels based off of an event, of how an event transpired. You are not the event. The event is just simply something that happened in your life that happened a while ago. You are not the voice of that event. For example, if you had a bad breakup or you um, lost your job or, you know, whatever it may be, you are not that, that, um, that laid off person, that fired person, or you are not that, that bankrupt person. You are just simply yourself. But sometimes those past experiences define who we are. And then when that happens, we think, well, I don't have an identity. I'm this or I'm that. And we allow ourselves or the world to dictate what that identity looks like. For example, if I have you look in the mirror, you're going to know exactly who you are because you've seen yourself in, in pictures and videos. But if I say something to you emotionally and say, you are this weak person, you're this pathetic person, you are this person who's never going to succeed. Sometimes we believe that, but the difference is if we know who we are looking in the mirror, why don't we know who we are inside of us? And that's why it's so important to have healthy self-affirmations. And I know we've all heard that in pop culture, like, oh, I feel like I'm smart enough, I'm good enough. The, but the point is, is that when you know who you are based off what you tell yourself, it starts to have those, those core beliefs, those negative core beliefs in our mind. It helps us not believe those as much. So, for example, 
if I wake up every morning, and this is something I practice for myself, and because I'm on the radio, I'm able to do this. I have a list of positive self-affirmations that I hear every morning. So I was able to record that. And so I listen to that every morning as I start my day, as I walk my dog. Um, and so that helps me really start my day well. So I know who I am. And so if I'm struggling throughout the day, I've already told myself, well, James, you are a successful person. You are a smart person. You are a kind person. So if I have some of these core beliefs, and we all have them, that come up throughout the day for something that happened, I can say, wait a minute, that's not who I am. That's perhaps what I thought I was at one time, but that's not who I am. So each one of us need to practice what, what we know to be true versus what we've been told is true. So just like we know who we are, because without a shadow of a doubt, looking in the mirror, we know exactly who we are. We now have to say, wait a minute, I now need to know who I am internally. And I get to decide who that is and what that is, not what situations or people have told me in the past. Mm -hmm. So one way to do that, and I know I'm speaking really quickly here, but one way to do that is our, our five senses usually are, are really used to help us understand our place in the world. For example, it keeps us safe. We can see a danger around us. We can hear danger around us. We can, once if something touches us, we know if it's dangerous or not. So all the five senses work from the farthest out to the most internal. And so what I always have people do is use your sense of hearing. If I'm struggling with you know, perhaps any uh, self-defeating thoughts, I will literally say something aloud. James, that is not true. James, this is who you are. And so what happens is your sense of hearing then overpowers any of those racing thoughts in your mind or those sad thoughts that we hear over and over again, because physiologically, you have to listen to what's around you. Mm -hmm. Because if you listen to what's around you, because once again, that keeps us safe, your mind will automatically take whatever energy and it'll move it towards your ears and says, wait a minute, what am I hearing? And so that quiets down those thoughts that we all have and helps us say, wait a minute, if I hear this, this must be true. And so that's a way to really counteract those negative self-beliefs or the inability to know who we are in our, in our self-esteem is by saying something aloud. And so if we're not able to figure out what we could say aloud to ourselves because our self-esteem may not be that high yet, well, let's say, well, what would my parents say? What would my best friend say? What would my partner say? Those questions are important because if you can't yet do it yourself, then listen to what they probably would say about you. And then you will say that. And after a while, you will then start to believe it. And that's a way you can start your foundation to be a much more healthier and successful person by literally hearing aloud what you would say to yourself or what your friends would say to you. And that will counteract those negative thoughts you have in your mind. Right. So that's fantastic. I'm glad you touched up on two things, separating an event from the thoughts that go in in your mind and your mm -hmm. by yourself. Um, an event doesn't necessarily mean that that's who you are. It's just something that's happened. And perhaps it's how you then think about the event that determines how you feel and uh, then and going forward. Um, Correct. And, you know, people hearing people's perhaps negative thoughts about you can be overpowered by yourself if you start to say positive affirmation and positive things. Um, so you're forcing your voice to sort of overpower uh, yes. anyone else's. Um, and, and it's interesting that you say speak to your friends and speak to people who, who will tell you positive affirmation as well. Um, so that's it, it seems to be really important then to surround yourself with people who are always saying positive things mm -hmm. and not the, the type of people that might say um, perhaps negative or at best neutral things um, or you know, counteract any any uh, imbalances that you've got or any um misconceptions that you might have about yourself from your core belief uh, which is your childhood past experiences that's another really really interesting um mm -hmm. perspective that you put out there um so yeah that's that's thank you one, one thing to keep in mind most people don't realize is only society or in social psychology we teach that only one in four one in four people are actually going to be on your side 
it's kind of interesting because we're like, oh, I have all these friends. Well, you may have friends, but when when adversity strikes or crisis strikes, then you don't really see who your friends are. Right. So the way it works is this: is there you think of a hundred people, so a hundred people equals one hundred percent. The way it works, as far as one in four who are for you, it looks like this. So the bottom category of 25 people or 25% are never going to like you. You meet them and they just don't like you. It doesn't matter what you say or do. They're just not going to be for you. The next 25 people don't like you, but could be talked into liking you. But that doesn't mean that's a good or healthy relationship. It just means um, they don't like you. But if you do something nice for them, then they like you. But if you do something they don't like, then they're right. not going to like you again. The next 25... Yeah, circumstantial, yeah, or episodic, yeah. And the next 25 group of people um, like you, but could be talked out of liking you. So let's say you're great friends, and then there's a miscommunication, or someone sees something on, on social media, and they're like, oh, I can't believe this person did that, and then they're no longer your friend. That is not a true friend. That is a friend that is only circumstantial, once again. And so if they want to come back and be your friend again, you really want to trust that, because they're not going to always be for you. And then the top 25 people are always going to be for you. They're going to love you and nurture you and care for you, regardless if you make silly mistakes or not, regardless if you have what you consider a failure. They're always going to be there and going to encourage you. So what I always tell people is the more often you can surround yourself and be aware of these types of people, the more successful your life is going to be. Because if we always have the same emotional output with all 100 people, we're going to feel like we're not good enough. And so when that happens, that really starts to maybe reaffirm some of those negative core beliefs we have. Oh, this person doesn't want to spend time with me. This person doesn't like me. There must be something wrong with me. The reality is they just don't like you and that's okay. They're not part of the top 25 people. And the other thing to look at as well is it's okay to give yourself permission not to want to be friends with people. Meaning if you don't have any similarity with, with them, then you're probably in that lower 25 group of people in their life. And so that's okay. So we want to make sure we're always kind. We're always considerate. We're always show the same type of integrity in everything we do. So we're never going to be mean to these people. We just know that if, we, if we're around them in a group setting, they are not for us or we're not for them, but we're going to be kind about it. And that gives you permission to not even tell yourself, oh, I have to be friends with these people. The reality is that's just not life. And so when we can be really true to ourselves. We know how much energy to put into all these different relationships. So my challenge today is if you are in a friendship or a relationship with someone and you feel like you're always walking on eggshells or you feel like you always have to be the one to reach out to them, that is not a really balanced friendship. So you want to look at, well, how can you be balanced? So if you are those types of people who do give more in a relationship, pull back a little bit and see if they then step up to put out some of that energy or uh, to, to reach out to you as well. And if they don't, then perhaps it's important for you to revisit to see what's one of these categories that these people are in. So really, we want to analyze the relationship and see how much has been, how much energy is being put from either side from you. Mm -hmm. friend. And if it's quite imbalanced, then that's a flag to solve. Maybe not focus on them as much and focus on the people who are giving you all. And I'm sure everyone can relate to this. And I especially of course. can mm -hmm. to, uh, I've, I've fallen into a trap. I'm this type of personality that has, uh, that wants to make friends with everyone um so i'm really taking your advice on board with, <laughs> with uh, because um i mean uh, having said that you know it's it's good to keep in mind not to take things personally um mm -hmm. I've, I've sort of become desensitized to um people not liking me um and not taking that personally so because like you said it's 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 all going to be um swings and roundabouts for lack of a, a better <laughs> <laughs> that's very true yes um what what i want to ask you finally um is mm -hmm. people who perhaps aren't living in the west and people for and listeners who are living in 
um, a culture, um, like we said, who that that doesn't really have uh, mental health as a as a prominent um, accepted uh, idea. What can they do um, to to solve? You know, if if we're talking about a really serious case um, mm -hmm. of depression or anxiety, um, and they only have the internet available to them, that's it. Sure. Mm -hmm. Of course, they can go on Lifeology uh, at jamesmiller.com. Um, and what would you recommend is, is perhaps a trusted site um, that they could probably use or, or tactics? You know, um, we've talked about um, identifying the healthy and the not healthy instead of the good and bad. Uh, we talked about mm -hmm. using a graph of fulfillment um, where you can rate all of your experiences from one to ten um, and measure how successful you are on each of them. Um, along with your bad experiences, um, we talked about you know perhaps even uh, identifying your body scans, um, which are mm -hmm. of emotions versus um, your uh, how your body feels uh, physically, and using your your physical uh, body to change um, your feelings and emotions, or using a good a good memory if you can't use a physical. Mm -hmm. We've talked about um, you know changing your perspective um, and in people who can identify whether they're going through a sequential or a, a situational uh, depression rather than a a medical um uh, depression or or mental illness by identifying how long it start how long it lasts when it starts and, and the frequency mm -hmm. and being honest with yourself when doing that um and you know finally we moved on to positive affirmation in in the sense that if you can use your own voice to solve um speak to yourself and tell yourself um, positive affirmations that can um, change your ideas and your mental state on its own every day by remembering that you are uh, a person, uh, person you say you are rather than mm -hmm. uh, any thoughts that might run through your head that say otherwise. Um, and of course, lastly, the, to, to recognize and be okay with um, having 25% uh, of people who really do like you um, and 75% of people, which on the offset on the, on sounds really bad, but on, <laughs> when, we, when we go on a deeper level, um, it's not quite broken down to 75 against you. It's more 25% that don't really mind 25% uh, mm -hmm. uh, again, that are not really phased either way, perhaps, you know, two sides of the spectrum and 25% that, are not particular not particular fans of you um and it's okay to be um to have 25 percent people that don't like you and yes. it's okay to be part of the 25 percent that somebody else doesn't like um Correct. and that's um not going to make you uh, an emotional person um to to sort of um, try and win them over or, or try Correct. and be friends yes. with that 25 percent mm -hmm. um Anything else that someone, you know, from from a really restricted uh, background could do, um, say they've been in a war zone or they've, you know, they've they've had. We're talking about cases where um, women have been raped or, yes, or yes. people have lost, you know, uh, loved ones, um, mothers and fathers. What what could they do with, you know, very very little uh, things? Um, you know, I mean, some of them. Don't don't have access uh, to the internet almost. Um, mm -hmm. They won't be able to listen to this. But is there any short-term um, change of perspective for really 
um, severe cases um, such as that, that people can um, change their mental state. Without- that's a really that's a really good point. Uh, one of the difficult things, so for, for for one, if people are at a place where they feel like they have no way out, and if, like suicide is something which comes to mind, right? I definitely recommend you go to the emergency room, you go to your doctor, you go to somebody and tell them because that is the way you're going to get help. Anybody who has that type of hopelessness, there's it's going to be hard to find your way out. So you have to literally talk to someone and say, this is how I'm feeling and help them have you go see a doctor. And so a doctor, if you're feeling this way, they're going to help you not to find that hope, whether that's through medication or just um, watching you to make sure that you don't do those types of things. That is the, the first thing I would say that if anybody has the opportunity to talk to someone else about it, they need to let them know mm-hmm. and then you need to get to the doctor. The other part of it is this, with whatever you've experienced, let's say it's someone they've been through, they've been through a war-torn um, country where they've been raped or whatever it is that is very, very traumatic for them, realize you got through it. It doesn't mean you got through it successfully and how you think like, oh, my life is amazing. The point is you lived through it. You woke up the next day and you found I can still breathe again. When we look at it in that respect, the healing will come with time, with perspective. But if we're so overwhelmed and say, There's, I, I'm not going to be able to get over this from a biological or physiological standpoint, you took another breath mm. and then you took another breath after that. And so it's important to say, I don't know how I'm going to get through this emotionally, but I know my body says I can do it. And that goes back to separating between what your body feels like and what your emotions are. If your body's taking another breath and you're moving, you physically can move. That is a good reminder that I've already, I've already um, overcome my worst day ever. And knowing that your body says, we're going to get stronger. We're going to get stronger. And that allows each person say, okay, well, let me focus on what I can physically do. And as you physically do that, that physical movement of doing certain activities, and I don't mean going to the gym, obviously, but just physically taking care of your kids, um, walking, making, maybe even going for a walk, your body's saying, I'm getting stronger and stronger. And so we can focus on that. And then that's when the emotions will start to fall in line with that because your body can phys- was going to help you through this. The other part is your spirituality. And everybody gets to determine what spirituality means to them. But when we understand spirituality in the sense of, I know that my life is like a jigsaw puzzle. Each event, if I separate it by itself, it doesn't look very good. I don't know where that, p- that piece is going to go in the, in the big puzzle. However, I know that each piece is linked together somehow. So when we think of it in that respect, if you got over your worst day ever, that's one piece. And then the next piece comes in with another situation that happens. It may be a beautiful piece or maybe an ugly piece, but it links together. And pretty soon it makes up who you are today. And so when we look at ourselves today, not the events we experienced, but today, what are those beautiful things that, that are in your life? What is it that is going really well for you? What are some compliments you can give yourself? That then starts to give you that perspective to say, I overcame my worst day ever. I took another breath and another breath and another breath. And here I am today. Yes, that was painful for me. But if I isolate that, I'll never understand it. But when I look at all the pieces of this jigsaw puzzle, which is your life, it helps you understand how things were connected. And when things are connected, it makes up who you are today. Now, some people may say, well, I hate who I am today. That's not the point. You may hate who you are today, but the point is there's a lot of beautiful things in your life. And so just like a coin, if you bring that coin to your eye, that's all you're going to see. So if you bring all the negative things to your eye, like that coin, that's all you're going to see. So that's why we're going to flip that coin and say, what is going well? And that's where that graph of fulfillment can say, okay, I have, this is going well. I took another breath. I have um, use of all my, all my limbs. Those are really great ways to look at it because you say, as painful as my, I, my emotions may be, physically and the things around me are actually going well. So when we look at it from that respect, 
you will see you've already overcome your worst day and you're alive today to talk about it. That's fantastic. I mean, so the number one thing for anyone who's experienced uh, the, the most perhaps terrible uh, days is go see a doctor if it's mm -hmm. the thoughts. Um, but realize also that you got through it. And yes, you did. Through that, then you can got your better days to look ahead to. Um, or physical exercise, uh, in, in, which can be in the sense of, you mentioned even looking after your, your children or mm -hmm. into the shops or um, purely physical movement. Uh, yes. Finally, uh, looking at your life through a bigger lens um, to understand that it's just one part of the jigsaw that you have to include all the other positive things that have happened in your life, um, yes. which make up the uh, chart of fulfillment. Um, and once we, we, we see that chart or, or that bigger perspective, we realize that actually there's more better things or perhaps there's a lot of better things that have happened in, in your life and you know overcoming the bad thing uh the bad experience has just been one milestone um as perhaps a small percentage of everything else exactly and that's one thing that people sometimes forget we get lost in what's again the event and that event can stunt us or traumatize us and we don't realize that if you've gotten through that you can get through anything else the, some of the day-to-day -day things that you're experiencing that may feel overwhelming, that, has, that doesn't even compare to your worst day or that worst event ever. And you got through it. Yeah, that is fine. So it's that perspective. Fantastic. James, thank you so much for um, joining today. Uh, again, you've got, James, you've got your own radio show, which people can tune into. Uh, JamesMillerLifeology.com is your website. People can see your radio show from there. Um, it's on iTunes. Uh, JamesMillerLifeology.com you're on instagram um you know you've got youtube videos but and essentially anyone can see more of james's content on on your website isn't that right correct yes james james miller lifeology.com and lifeology is spelled l-i-f-e-o-l-o-g-y.com lifeology what a beautiful uh word to trademark and uh thank you very much for all of the beneficial um advice and tips that we've had today um we look forward i mean this is really going to be useful for a lot of people um and thank you for for being a great help really for the audiences and for myself i've really learned a lot and hopefully we can get more tips uh and if anyone has any questions um feel free to comment them or send a direct message to me or james on instagram and we can take it from there hope everyone's enjoyed listening to you james as much as i have uh, thank you so much, Mohammed. I really appreciate you inviting me on your show. And congratulations on, on all the success for your show. I know you're definitely helping your generation. <laughs> thank you very much. Thank you very much, James. Uh, and again, once again, we look forward to speaking to you once again. Um, also, you've, you've based in, in Florida, you said. So mm -hmm. I know people can't really, if they're not based in America, they can't really get to you. Um, Physically correct. But I also offer, if people want to work with me, you can just go to my website. Once again, that's jamesmillerlifeology.com. And there's a section that says work with James. So if you want to work with me, you can either do it through phone call or through some type of audio, or excuse me, video device like FaceTime, Skype, or Zoom. And I'm able to work with people that way. Perfect. So jamesmiller.com, uh, lifeology.com and work with James. That's, uh, that's the tab that you want if you want to get hold of uh, professional help from James. Uh, thank you very much once again, James. And um, my pleasure. We'll see you soon. <laughs> Sounds good. Bye bye. Tuning in. Bye bye. Bye.